Welcome to Paradox Jukebox, an unconventional podcast for the unconventional music lover, brought to you by Music on the Move Studios, a woman-led company working to help musicians move their careers forward through education and live events. I'm your host, Katie Thompson, and I just want to say thank you so much to everybody who has been listening in and has been a loyal fan. I greatly appreciate you. I would love to hear some feedback. So if you feel like reaching out, you can find me at Katie, C-A-I-T-I-E, at musiconthemovestudios.com. Links will be in the show notes for that. And also, too, if you have an artist that you think that would be a great fit for the podcast, please reach out to me, send me send me links, let me know about the people that you're listening to. I would love to listen to them too. And I'd love to sh- give them a spot here on the podcast to really talk about their music and talk about their experiences because that's what we're all about. So speaking of experiences and sharing music, I think that there are very few people in the world who have done it as well as Kashana Armstrong. She is an incredible songwriter, an incredible instrumentalist, multi-instrumentalist at that, and she has used her powers for good. So so shall we say. She's created this program called Your Song. And I'm going to let her tell you all about it. But first, I'm going to play you a track off of her album. It's the title track. This is called Listen. And I hope you take it to heart as much as I did. Discussion. Welcome, everybody, to Paradox Jukebox. It's your host, Katie Thompson, and with me today, I have Kishana Armstrong. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I, I, you know, as we just said just a second ago, I've, I've been following your music probably since 2019, and uh, just watching you perform with your band, like you had an all-female backing band with you the night that I saw you perform, and... It was it was unlike anything I had ever seen. The, the talent on that stage was ridiculous. <laughs> I um I love my people. I love my fam, my band fam. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm honestly honored that they say yes whenever I ask them to come and do anything. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, the the vibe that y'all have on stage is just it's unmatched. You know, and just to see ladies work in their craft like the boss babes they are, it is, it is, it's just everything my soul needs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> so if you could uh, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into music. Yeah, I mean, I think I grew like the house I grew up in, our home was full of music. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad played guitar. Excuse me, he plays guitar. So, um, but he worked, you know, a factory job. So he would work, you know, 12 hour shifts and then come home. And usually he would go straight to the guitar room and just play his guitar. He used to always play the solo from, um, uh, is it Lionel Richie's Hello? Uh There's this guitar solo that's pretty infamous. That's my dad's like go-to. Or like people get ready. That's his other Mm -hmm. go-to. And then, you know, my mom sang in choir at church. So he used to always go to that. And I, I think music was always just something that surrounded me in as a family, we always would gather and kind of sing. I loved my favorite part of going to church was when the choir would sing. Mm-hmm. I was like, always my favorite part. And then I was like, cool, I can take a nap the rest, you know, <laughs> <laughs> tell me when the band's back up. That's right. Um, you know, but, uh, I, I had an aunt, my aunt queen passed away when I was in elementary school and she was one of my favorite aunties. And I feel like if, I feel like I, I sometimes I, I think about her a lot as I am. I'm now older than she was, you know, mm-hmm. when she passed. And um, I I remember the only reason I got involved in piano was because my mom asked me, hey, your Aunt Queen's old piano teacher uh, lives in town. Would you be interested in taking lessons from her? And I was like, yeah, anything to feel closer to Auntie Queenie. Yeah. And it's like that stuck. You know, that I I think I found piano as my way of still carrying on a relationship with her. Yeah. Um, but then it just fed me and it became the place that I went when I would feel, you know, any kind of major feelings sad or or um, honestly, any kind of stress or anxiety. I would just go to the piano. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I started in classical world between piano and oboe. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I was always writing music, but I was playing, I was composing music on the piano. So that's the kind of songwriter I was for years was just, you know, writing songs on the piano. And like, I think the first one I wrote was in middle school. A friend of mine, Mark, his mom was murdered and I wrote a piece for her just called Requiem. Um, what her last name was just so requiem for misjust and like that was i'm i'm noticing right now as i'm telling you the story like i think i always leaned on music as a way of of expressing my understanding of what someone is going through or trying to connect with someone Mm -hmm. um the fact that i always went to to music as a way to say hey i wrote this for you because i know you're probably going through something hard i think that just now here i am you know in my 40s and that is why I write. How can I connect with you as a yes. way of telling you I understand what you're going through? <laughs> wow. Wow, Kashana. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, but long story short, that's it. You know, I, I went to college for oboe. That was my, my main instrument was oboe. Wow. And uh, music therapy. That's and I was Yeah. I, I just thought I was going to be in that kind of world. And then I found songwriting when I was working with my patients in Atlanta mm-hmm. and I used that as a form of like of therapy with them we yeah. use a lot of songwriting in our therapy court in our therapy groups and I I honestly took took it and ran and here I am now 
That's yeah. awesome. Okay, so I, I have a classical background as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested to know, do you have a favorite classical piece? Oh, anything Beethoven. Mm -hmm. I had major I don't I don't know how it's possible but I had a major crush on Beethoven <laughs> um oh because his music was so emotive mm -hmm. so symphony pathet um oh lord I can't remember is it sym sym symphony pathetique mm -hmm. is that how you say it it's yeah. um oh that was any I mean honest, yeah anything Beethoven just because it was like the mod for me it felt like modern day like rock or hip hop yes. just there's a lot of bass in his music yeah <laughs> <laughs> absolutely i could feel it all um and i think because i could i could actually picture the story like i could picture the scene i could feel what it was that he was trying to say in his music or what it was that he was experiencing and i i, I think i really was drawn to you know beethoven because of that is it allowed me to go from a very quiet, sensitive, loving moment to this like, da, 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 like rock. <laughs> <laughs> it allowed you to feel all the feels. All the feels. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I love it. Absolutely. Um, I, I love be playing Beethoven. Um, and I think the, you know, the one oboe solo that sticks out in my mind is um, from uh, Bachanel by Camille Saint-Saëns. Oh, that was, my that was my senior recital. One of my, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Saint-Saëns was like uh, popular for those of us in the oboe, um, in the oboe studio. What was your main instrument? Uh, percussion, actually. Oh, bet. That was my second. Was it really? Yeah, steel drums. Nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Do you still play? Um, you know, I actually, I don't get to play, um, classical very much anymore because now I'm, I'm more in the, the rock and country and, yeah. uh, scene and stuff. And, and it's so funny because after I graduated like 12 years ago, um, I actually started playing guitar more Yeah, and, and it, that just became my, my primary, but I, I had played both percussion and guitar all through high school and then went to college for, uh, for music and stuff. And then, yeah. And then it just ended up working out that I became more of a lead guitar player. So oh, that's badass. Yeah. whenever I get to sit down behind a drum set, my heart is super happy. <laughs> um, but the, uh, the timpani part for that was like my ish, man. Like I rocked it. <laughs> I had, and I was so lucky because my high school got to go to New York City and play Carnegie Hall, and I got to play that timpani part at Carnegie Hall. Stop it! Yeah. That's an epic moment. Yes. Oh, that's an epic moment. Big moment, super big moment. So I did, that's that's like my go-to like oboe. I'm like, oh, please tell me that you. But I also didn't want to be that person to be like, oh, you know this one, and you'd be like, yeah, of course, everybody knows that one. You know, you know, saison. No, I mean that. Gosh, I do miss those days. That is something that I definitely miss is I was really enmeshed in the classical world. Like, in, you know, in, in school, in college, the access we had to mm -hmm. it, I didn't realize how um, how much I took that for granted. Yeah, You know, like just being able, it, of course, it was because of our courses, but the fact that I could go hear, I could go hear a recital, I could go hear the symphony play whenever. Mm -hmm. and just sit in silence in a room and take it. I, and I don't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, recently I went, um, recently I've done, I did some uh, shows singing backgrounds with um, 
Jennifer Nettles with the, the Nashville Symphony. Oh, wow. And it was, it's like walking back into that world. I was taken back just like, I kind of miss the formality of it. Yeah. You know, and like there are these rules and guidelines and like, res- like respect and level that can be problematic, but also I just really love the structure. And I love, I do love that culture of listening yeah. to what's coming from behind you, beside you and what you see in front of you. But also like, I, I miss that a lot. And I was sitting in that space, just like, man, why don't I go to the symphony? And it was like, oh, I can't afford tickets. That's why. That's why. <laughs> and then there's a whole other thing about accessibility and like, <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. <clears throat> It's interesting. I mean, especially for the, you know, the venues that you play now, it's a far cry from that formality of the classical scene. Yeah. And God, I can't, I couldn't even tell you the last time that I sat in a hall and listened to a classical concert. It's, it's probably been over five years. Yeah. I mean, I mean, just even watching people sit with an instrument Mm -hmm. and emote. Yeah. You know? Just them and their instrument. You know, we do that, but we're watching a full performance. There's lights. There's, you know, there's other people involved. There's sound. There's a there's sometimes a rowdy audience, but there's just something simple about no lighting, just just a stage. Yeah. And your instrument yeah. and you. And there's nothing to cover it up, you know? It's magical. Um, it really is, yeah. And I think that's something I've always... I've, I've, over the years, I think I've scaled back what my performances have been like, because I used to always think I need to have a band. I need to have a band. And then I'm late, especially lately, just pulling back and saying, what is really true? And it's the words and it's the talent. And so, you know, when I, now the way I think about how I'm, I write my music, I want to showcase who I have in mind. It's like I'm composing. Sure, I'm a songwriter, but I think of my, I think of it as composing instead. I feel that I hear the harmonies in my head that I want my two, um, I call them my sage sisters, but that I want Nikki and Maureen who sing with me. I, I have the parts in my head or I know, oh, this would be an awesome part for them to like explore. Um, and so I've been scaling back and getting away from full band things and really focusing on just three voices. And the two of them are so magical at what they can do with their voice. I'm just back here, like, holding it down, you know? And I just, I'm always like, go, go fly, birdie, go fly. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm like trying to, I find myself trying to recreate that experience I had as a classical student in college. Mm-hmm. but in live performances now and in clubs and performing arts centers and, and whatnot. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's incredible. Well, and I think too, you know, drawing on that classical background is just, it's going to, it's going to create an experience that your fans are not going to get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they're not used to that kind of vibe. Yeah. You know, that's beautiful. You know, so this past week was the, the black Opry anniversary at um, City Winery. They celebrated their one year anniversary. And it was so awesome to see um, so many black singer songwriters, artists on one stage from all over the country and being celebrated, right? Yeah. And to end the show, they brought out two new friends of mine, Sister, Sister Strings. They're relatively new to Nashville, but they've like 
just taken off. And let me tell you, like they, sh- they open with the full on classical piece, no words, no singing, just they, it's two sisters. One plays violin. Shanti plays violin. Monique plays cello and shredding a classical piece. And then they swing into, uh, is it, uh, da, 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 da. I think it's summertime. I think that's what it is. Or it's the Gershwin tune. And then they come back into the classical piece and then go into another Gershwin tune. And it's like, they put the like swing on it, like the hip hop beat to it. And oh it's, my God. And to see, experience that in a country setting, your face right now is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mesmerized. I'm like, uh, why didn't I it's, know about this? It's phenomenal. If you can ever go see Sister Strings, like the the way that they incorporate the classical with even like Gershwin with uh their own songwriting and it's them on on you know violin and cello oh god and it is it was so epic to sit there in a room of in Nashville Tennessee at the Black Opry and wow. we've been hearing people on guitar singing and it's just like they brought the they brought the house down and they do every time and I love that that's happening yeah. right now. You know, I love that that's happening, that the meshing of it all, because it all, it is all the same language, mm-hmm. but it's just, we might not have ever listened to these classical pieces. Some people haven't, you know? So anyway, I think Absolutely. it's a way of like introducing that world to them of like, no, 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 this can be dope. Oh yeah. <laughs> classical music kind of dope it is it absolutely is oh man i love it i love it when artists are able to to fuse genres and decades like that yes oh yeah yeah it's awesome (laughs) okay well like i'm i'm writing this down as we're talking and i'm like okay so now i know what i'm doing with the rest of my afternoon sister strings dig in yep (laughs) i'm going down a rabbit hole bye <laughs> Don't bug me for the rest of the day. I'm just going to sit here and listen. <laughs> oh wow, that's so amazing. Well, thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. Um, so I wanted to I wanted to ask you, I kind of want to circle back a little bit. So, you were talking about, you know, your aunt Queenie and how you were <clears throat> connecting with people through music. And now I really want to talk about the Your Song Project, because that's essentially what you're doing, right? Mm -hmm. Is you're helping other people connect through music. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, you know, for years I've been doing this. I left, I left Georgia and tapped out of music therapy because I've been working in mental health for like over 12 years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they didn't teach me in school that you should take breaks. Like, you know, uh, self-care wasn't the language back then, you know, right. but, um, I took a break. I tapped out, came to Nashville and thought I was done with being a music therapist. I even let my credentials slide, but I was still doing music therapy. I was asked to go into spaces and still act as a music therapist. And, or, or I should say I took on that role. So, you know, I, I do a lot of work with the country music hall of fame with creative vets. And then I was working with the nonprofit here called wild indigo, where we were songwriting with women who were incarcerated yeah excuse me women who are experiencing incarceration and um and also started working with some musicians to prison and um that's where i was like oh i can get in even deeper because i'm not on uh staff right i found that me being a singer songwriter with the guitar and being like hey i'm an artist from the community i had so much more freedom 
and what I could do, where I could go, what I could pull out of um, those that were in the room with me that I was just, I just, that is when I was like, this is what I've always, this is how I need to be doing music therapy is this way mm-hmm. as an artist coming in the side door. Um, and so it got to the point, honestly, during the pandemic, um, I found that I lost my audience. Therefore, I'd lost my way of connecting. I lost my way of finding the stories that honestly feed the songs that I write, having those conversations with people where they're sharing with me what they're going through or how they connected to a song. And I just reached out to my fans online. and was just like, Hey y'all, if you're struggling like I am, I can offer you this. I ain't got nothing but time. Zoom exists. Yep. Who wants to write a song? I will help you write a song. Let's do some therapeutic songwriting. And I had a few fans like sign up in it. I think we ended up with, I started with 13 people that were like, Hey, yeah, I would love to write a song with you. And it was so fulfilling. I had not written it. I couldn't write anything for almost two years, yeah. you know, during, um, 2020 and 2021, I wasn't able to write anything cause I felt so much, but like, that's for myself, but I wrote so much music with just fans, new folks, strangers, and that was so healing and it fed me and I was like this is my purpose and you know it snowballed into performing art centers saying hey we heard you do this thing can you run a camp for us you know a virtual camp and I was like yeah I can do that so then I'm teaching kids how to songwrite you know online and then it was hey mighty writers in Philadelphia they exist would you be willing to run like a songwriting studio with them yes I will and it, it honestly things just started coming in and I was like this is working and it makes me feel good. And also yeah. it's, um, I was connecting with communities that here, I'm here in Nashville, but the communities I was connecting with were in Dayton, Ohio, Philadelphia, Arkansas, you know what I mean? Like yeah. not here. So it, it snowballed into now what is my nonprofit, which is your song. And, um, we're fiscally sponsored by the arts and business council. And it's been, I mean, I think what really brought it to like fruition for me was when um, her name is Whitney Martinez and Whitney was in one of my first songwriting groups when she was incarcerated at um, Davidson County jail. Mm -hmm. And she was in our songwriting group and she was like, I'm not a songwriter. You know, she was like, and she, I remember her feeling having so much um, grief because she was like, this isn't me. I don't know how I'm in here. Um, And she took, she ran with the pen. Once we showed her that like poetry is songwriting, journaling is a way to get to songwriting, how to use a pen. She ran with it. <clears throat> her story is amazing. Um, but she, she is, was out on parole. She is out on parole. Um, and we sat down over zoom and we wrote her whole story. She called me and said, Kashana, I've had, all these songs coming into my head all of a sudden. And I don't think I'm a songwriter, but I feel like I'm supposed to do something with them. What should I do? And apparently I was like, girl, you need to make an album. I don't remember. <laughs> but she was like, you told me to make a record. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we, we wrote over 13 songs. Wow. In in less than a year. And then we took her into the studio last year. I, I hired a bunch of friends, my band, uh, and we went to Fatback's uh, studio, which is in East Nashville, Tennessee, with Jesse uh, Thompson. 
his studio there and we recorded a whole album and it's called 1023 and it's empowering Whitney because now her mission is to tell her story to show other women and men that they are not their worst day they are not the crimes that they have committed you know what I mean a person isn't a crime they just did a thing and she's on the other side of it and she's like I just want to show people their worth and that um the fact that she's come out of this and has a mission now and a book. She wrote a book to go along with it. Wow. Yeah. And right now we're in the, pro like, and, and something I think has been awesome for me is to coach her through the songwriting process. And like last month I had a talk with her. I was like, I've taken you as far as I could go, little bird. <laughs> you are now a colleague of mine. Yeah. Here are the things you need to do. And so she's learning now how to build her own team around her and showing her the importance of when you tell other people your story, you are widening your web. And just in her going places and saying, hey, this is who I am. This is what I want to do. People have latched on and like jumped on board her ship and just like, where do we, how can I guide you? How can we get there? Wow. And I think and for her, she's, she has a lot of trauma around, you know, feeling abandoned. And the fact that just her sharing her truth has strengthened the people around her who want to help her, um, that to me is the ultimate mission of your song, right? Yeah. I like just got very like wordy, but. <laughs> no, no, that, that is the, that's literally the best story that you could have like given as an example of what your song is capable of. Yeah. And um, is, is 1023 released? Is it out? Not yet. Okay. So we're working on album art now. It's mastered and everything. We're just doing album work. She's, because uh, she wanted to have a listening party and we had to have a talk and be like, bro, we got to have a reason why we're doing a listening party. Yeah. So now you got to think like an artist, mm -hmm. you know? So um, if you want to be an artist or if we're going to, if our goal is to get you to be a speaker, a motivational speaker, where you're going back into places, we need you now. You've done the hardest part which is writing everything. Now, how are you going to tell it? Yeah. How are you going to perform these? How are you, what is your presentation going to look like? So um, Whitney now has, um, she's working with uh, some really great friends of mine who have a performing performance coaching uh, business. Mm -hmm. And um, she's been working with them, Rachel Rodriguez and Janelle. I can't think of Janelle's last name right now, of course, but uh, the name of the company is Magenta Expression. And so Whitney's been working with Magenta Expression, um, doing her performance coaching and she loves it. And I told her, we have a, we have a um, fundraiser coming up on May 10th at the Bluebird. Mm -hmm. And so this will be Whitney's first official performance. She's gonna come sit in the round with us and do a few songs from 1023. And so she's practicing with Rachel and Janelle at Magenta Expressions and, uh, She's really psyched. And the fact that now, again, everything is in her hands. It's her yeah. responsibility now, right? This is your story. I can't help you tell it anymore. It's on right. you. So um, I'm, I love the fact that we've put, a, um, she's widened her web to find how many more women are willing to circle around her and support her and like put her up on that stage and in that light. What an incredible gift. Mm-hmm. That is that. Wow. That I mean, that's incredibly powerful. What a beautiful thing to be able to to help someone recognize this 
art within them. Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, wow, girl. It's, it's always amazing because people show up with me. Like right now, I'm working with um, Intersection, which is another nonprofit here uh, with um, Kelly Corcoran runs that. She's one of the composers um, with the Nashville. Wow. She's one of the conductors with the Nashville Symphony. And Kelly and I have been partnering up with the Lullaby Project. Mm-hmm. And so we've been writing with women who are in recovery um, or in uh, with Renewal House. And we just started working with Tennessee Justice Center writing lullabies. And between those two organizations, when we meet, when I meet with these mothers or these caretakers online, their first thing is, I'm not musical. I've never written. Somebody told, you know, my elementary school teacher told me never to sing. It's just like, okay, let's, let's, let's rewrite that, you know? And everybody that said, I'm not creative walks away with a song. And they know where they like, I don't like that guitar part. Oh, I want this melody. Or they're over there like, let me see. <laughs> they're humming melodies. But they said that they don't have a song in their heart. And it's just proof that when you, like, I just want to show up and be that support and say, I got you. Mm-hmm. You know, we're here. I got you. There's no messing up. I won't right. let you mess up. <laughs> <laughs> you have a song in your heart, I promise. And how proud they are when they finish it. And they are really... They want to share it with everyone. That's like a really awesome thing to see. Yeah, that's beautiful. Wow, Kashana, this is this has got to be one of the more powerful interviews that I've done. I'm I'm over here like fighting back tears. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as as a as a musician who who went through a really rigorous you know, education as far as like, you know, my collegiate background and stuff like there's there's so much negativity that can be centered in in your, you know, the roots of where you grew your your craft. Right. And so for you to have built this amazing, positive, nurturing platform for people to come and find that art, to find that creative bone in their body and then for them to walk away going I wrote that Mm -hmm. that's life-changing I mean you like with with Whitney I mean you've changed her life Mm. oh god (laughs) you don't know me but I love you so much right now (laughs) (laughs) I just it it is it is a beautiful thing to know that there are humans like you in the world Mm. because we need more people like you But you're deaf to the mission Even when you see the hand I'm dealt You pretend it's my decision Don't try and say that our struggle's the same Don't lie and tell me you're ready for change though is 
when I find other songwriters or like other artist friends, many of us have this desire, right? Of using this thing that saved us, using this artistry that saved us. And we want to share it. Um, We want to help other people find it, find that thing. Um, But a lot of folks, and I, I think the last two years especially, realized how much the machine, the business of our artistry got in the way of what and the why we started doing the artistry in the first place, you know? And so I can see it within my, my artist friend group, other people trying to find ways to connect community because everybody, there's a different angle for everyone. Not everybody feels comfortable songwriting with other folks, but some people feel comfortable saying, Hey, if you write down the lyrics, I'll, I'll put a melody to it, or I'll just come and do a performance for these students you know, um, at this school to show them these instruments? How can I just bring music to them? So I really do believe that the music community, the artist community has a lot of power in what we could do. We just got to ignore the machine. Yeah. And the machine that is monetized, the music, the, the beauty and the magic that is art. Yeah. And just why do people start creating in the first place? Not for payment. No, no. If anything, it's, it's a soul currency. Yeah. It's a soul currency. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel so much more full when I am in a town performing. If I know that I wrote a song with somebody in that town Mm. and I put them on that stage, or if I know that like, I've just given up, not, not even given up. I've just given you know, 10 minutes of a set so that these little babies or this grown woman can stand on her, on this stage and sing her song to these audience, this audience of, of, of strangers. And then when they walk off the stage, I see the audience going to them and like surrounding them and saying, you were so brave. You were, that is why I'm like, there we go. I don't want it. Don't (laughs) come to me. (laughs) Go love on that person that's in your community every day, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I, that, that brings me more joy than any paycheck, than any check that I collect at the end of the day, like seeing the joy and hearing the joy in someone's voice when they're like, I can't believe I wrote that. I can't believe I just did that. (laughs) Wow. I, I cannot wait to see how your song will continue to grow and touch communities. And, um, and so when, when Whitney releases 1023, if you think Mm -hmm. she would be willing to come on the podcast, I would love to have her. Absolutely. I would love to do anything I can to support her and, and the work that she's putting out there. Um, you know, that in, in any songs that, you know, you work with any of your writers, if they're, if they're releasing them, please let me know. We, yeah. we're building a, a playlist for uh, artists that are part of Music on a Moves community. So I'd love to put them on our playlists and just yeah. and help in any way we can. Oh, absolutely. Oh, that's so lovely. Thank you. Of course. No, Whitney I will I, be psyched. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. No, I just, you're, I love your mission and I, I love, you know, what you're trying to do for these people and you know especially with with music on the move we are a very female centered community you know yeah. we're 
Erin started Music on the Move because she was trying to create a seat at the table for women in Nashville. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we have artist showcases. And so if you think any of these these wonderful artists would like to be a part of those showcases, please Ooh, yeah. let me know. I will. Yes. Let me get my notes out. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit. I feel like this would be a good time for you to talk a little bit about your album, Listen, and the song yeah. and the title track. I just want to know, you know, your perspective and, you know, your your thoughts on why you created that album and, and that song. Yeah. So I um, I had a meeting with my friend Jen Bostic. Um, she's a fellow songwriter, but we like like maybe 2018. Um, but we sat down. One of the assignments we had was to write a mission statement for ourselves. And um, honestly, I think it was like for a branding thing, right? For, mm -hmm. for branding, what's your mission statement? I was like, oh, I like this. And so I wrote a mission, which is to be a voice in a vessel for those who feel lost, forgotten, silenced, or who are hurting. So that I know Kashana the artist, whenever I walk on a stage, whenever I walk into a writing room, I ask myself, was I a voice in a vessel for those who feel lost, forgotten, silenced, or are hurting? And if the answer is yes, that's all I need. I don't need to worry about how many people applauded, if somebody got mad and left in the middle of a set, if I didn't finish the song, right? Was I a voice in the vessel? So um, that's what I walked into. That's what I walked with in my heart while I was writing a lot of these songs for, for Listen. And I think it happened by accident because, well, no, nothing's really by accident, is it? Um, not, not really. Not, not really. No. But the song Listen, I wrote with um, Emily, who's, uh, she was relatively new to town when she and I wrote Listen together. And this came out of a conversation I had with a friend. Um, we were, you know, on our way on the road somewhere. And it, it happened where this friend, we were having a deep conversation about something political. This friend asked my opinion on it. So I was explaining my opinion. But then I found that while I'm explaining my truth as a black woman in America, um, my friend, a white woman in America, kept saying, yeah, but don't you think? Yeah, but have you tried? As I'm telling my truth, it became a, yeah, but don't you? So I, I, I kept trying to figure out, why am I upset? Why, do I, why am I getting angry? It was because I'm, I am now debating with you my truth. So why am I in a debate with you? Um, you asked my opinion, I'm telling it, and now we're going back and forth when it should just be, you ask me my opinion and you say, thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> That's an interesting perspective. I never thought of it that way. And uh, I started to pay attention to how many experiences I had like that and how often I did that as well to other people. And there's something that I learned in college. This is where I also realized um, my, my privilege in this is that I took courses as, for music, as a music therapy major, I took a whole course on how to listen. And the fact that the word listen is a verb that requires you to be still. It's a contradictory word, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so uh, it just doesn't, you know, so listen, listening, I remember being trained when you listen to someone, you mirror them, right? You mirror their body language, you mirror their vocal tone. And you sit in silence so you truly hear them. And then that's it. 
and you ask a follow-up question. That's it, you know? And the whole point in that process is so that you are taking on and just taking in the information. Yeah. And then you jot it down and you carry that into your next experience with the person, right? You're just like, okay, that's more information I have on you now. And so I just notice how often I, when I'm, when I was meeting someone, especially, and I was like, oh, I can relate with you on this trauma. Let me tell you my story about my trauma too. As they're telling me their trauma, I'm not hearing them anymore. Cause mm-hmm. as they're sharing their trauma, I'm like, well, I can't wait. Okay. When she finishes the sentence, I'm going to say this part, right? If you're thinking about what you're going right. to say, you're not hearing anymore. And I, I, it was so loud, especially during the last, like that presidency, mm-hmm. nobody was listening. Everybody's yelling. There were so many political things happening, so many social things happening. And it was just, man, um, I was thinking about how legacy wise, there's been a torch. We are still trying to carry through from the freaking fifties and sixties, you know, things were still, rifts were still trying to heal and they're not healed because we're not talking about it and we're not listening to one another. And so thinking about that of you need, we need to be quiet and listen, but also we need to go against our fears, like step, like push past our fears and actually say the things that are holding us back or that we're scared to say out loud. Yes. And when we do that though, we're, we're trusting that the other person will hear us. Right. So, um, this, this, the whole album honestly is like a testament to every step of that. Like there's, uh, my song fear that I wrote with my brother. There's too much when the weight of the world is just who heavy, heavy, there's a song called Try that I wrote with Robbie Hecht. That's just like, I can't, I ain't got no answers. All I can do is try every day to stay alive. These, this ground keeps on shifting, but I'm going to just keep trying. That's all we can do, right? Right. Yeah. So um, in a nutshell, that is, that's not a nutshell, but <laughs> that is, that is the essence of listen. And I, to be honest, like it came out February, 2020. And I was really excited about getting the message out there. And then we were promptly told to sit down and um, I was gutted. I was heartbroken. I felt like, man, I finally had an album that I felt I, I could like soul, like you said, soul currency. I could go out and get like a lot of soul currency off that album with the audiences. But what I honestly found was that it found its true purpose in the summer of 2020, when the Black Lives Matter movement really took off, when we were seeing so many police shootings, so many deaths, so much protesting and pain. And I was like, damn, this is like a soundtrack for right now. You know, I had already laid the album down, but other people were the ones saying like, Kashana, it's like you knew this was coming. And like, there's a song in the album called We the People um, that I've never thought, I was like, I'll never play play that. Cause that's like my most like angry song, mm-hmm. you know, and just like, ah! but um, the fact that every song on that album, I, when I play them now, I am imagining, I see it summer of 2020 through now and how there's so much hurt we're not through. Yeah. And but there's also so much love we need to give one another and so much more grace. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, there's, there's literally no better way than to 
like for those that are listening, there's no better way to really understand how true the words are about this being the soundtrack of 2020. It is, I mean, we just need to sit down and listen to the entire thing in silence and not speak. We just need to listen to it and and take these words in because you know, I've I haven't listened to every single song on the album yet, but I've listened to quite a few and they hit me in the hardest way but in the best way mm. there were things that I needed to hear as a mm. white woman mm. and things that I hope that I hope this album continues to speak to people as we are trying to heal each other because you're right we're not out of it yet we're far mm-hmm. from out of it yeah there's so much work to be done but if we can if we can just have enough love and grace in our hearts to listen to each other speak our truths then we can absolutely get through it yeah and so thank you thank you for releasing this music thank you i mean to be honest i kind of it's really sad when i think about this record cuz i feel like it's the industry the machine is what i is what i'm hearing in my head of like oh well that one's a that one's a dud didn't get much, but, but if I go back into my own experiences with music, it's like, especially now, music can always be found. Absolutely. Right? Art exists forever. Yep. So I have to really trust and lean on that, like, like my heart is breaking right now thinking about that record of how, like, I had dreams for it. But that doesn't mean they're done. It just means it'll come back up when the time it'll hit people when they need it you know they'll find it absolutely you know and it's really hard touring that record right now because I already feel detached from it yeah like I grieved it I laid it down um and I'm already on to the next you know yeah and so I think lately especially touring it it's pulled me back into the 2020 mode Mm -hmm. and it's a it's a Maybe this is what I've been feeling some kind of way the last month and I'm realizing maybe that's what it is, is that I've been asked to go back to February 2020 like nothing happened and tore the record. Right. Like the last two years didn't happen when it has a whole other meaning for me now. Absolutely. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it'll, it'll, it'll hit people when it hits them. And I really appreciate your words um, yeah. about how you heard it. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, one thing that I that I think about is that even though, you know, as artists, we're we're always going to be releasing music and then we we do become detached from the music that we've written, you know, in previous years, but one of the things that I hope happens for some of this music at least, I hope that it gets picked up for sync. Mm-hmm. And, you know, finds its way into maybe a documentary or it finds its way into some independent films. I mean, this music is perfect for that. Mm. And, and it's, and it's so funny because you you hear, you know, quite often there are artists that have released records 10, you know, 10 plus years ago, but then all of a sudden somebody rediscovered their music and went, I'm going to use it for this purpose. And then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden now you have an entire new population of people that get to discover that music and what it's going to do for them. Mm -hmm. 
So, and mm. I, and I, you have, you have my heart when it comes to, to trying to, you know, tour this record when it, when it was coming from such a difficult place. I mean, mm-hmm. to have to relive that every show. Yeah. That is heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super heavy. So I just, mm. I, I support you. I, I can't even fathom how hard that is. Thank so. you. Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. Um, so I did want to talk about some of the more recent work that you've done, like uh, Hey Child and Help with Margot Price. Yeah, yeah. So talk a little bit about that experience. I don't even know what that was. It was just, <laughs> golly. I tell you what, um, I met Margot when she had her first band, were they Buffalo Clover? Like I met her in Athens. I opened for her in Athens, Georgia when I lived there. (laughs) And, um, when I moved to town, you know, we reconnected and, and she's been awesome. Like she'll just every now and then be like, Hey girl, (laughs) got this thing. You want to come sing it? Hey girl, doing this thing. So during this time for the Hey Child and the, um, like she was, she called me up and was just like, I'm trying to give platform and raise the voices of the women in town that I highly respect. And I think um, I want to like highlight and uplift. And so it was Adia Victoria, myself, Allison Russell, Cam Franklin from the Suffers. Um, like she invited us all to come out and just be a part of these songs and like be her choir. And yeah. the fact that she even came in like, hey, I want you to do this verse. Wait, what? You want a whole verse? You want to <laughs> give a whole verse away? Girl. But that talk about like ally, you know, mm-hmm. she's like, yeah, here's a song I wrote. Will you sing the whole verse? Or here's a song we're going to cover. I have these numbers. I have a platform where I can amplify your voice here. Yeah, please. You know, um, and it's, it's amazing to see how busy women like Margot are uh, and how like to me, that is that is what Nashville is. I'll be honest. Yep. All the issues I have with this town right now and how it's changing the thing, the only thing holding me here is community mm-hmm. and how, especially with women there, I see, at least in my group, at least in my tribe that I run with, everyone has their hand behind them mm-hmm. and is pulling the person behind them up. Right. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in a sorority, Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. And one of our main things is fortitude. And there's this, this woman that has her hand lifted up because she's reaching for a higher plane and then her hand is behind her. She's bringing along every sister behind her. And that is what I think of when I think of the women here in Nashville is how everyone is just like, how can I connect you? How can I give you, like, how can I amplify your voice? What can I do? And I love that about this place. And I have to remind myself when I get frustrated, (laughs) the community has got, we've all got each other, you know? And I feel like we could all say, like, let's just move to Franklin, Kentucky. And we're like, all right. All right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes. But, yeah, that was a um, honestly, like, uh, one of those moments I still can't believe things like that have happened, that I've been asked to collaborate with, you know, with women such as Margot on anything. Yeah. So, yeah, honored. That's that's incredible. Well, congratulations. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you are more than deserving of that, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um. I, and I, I agree one whole one hundred percent because you know I, I lived in Nashville for uh, 
like full time for about a year and a half. And then right before the pandemic happened, we, you know, we had a loss in our family. So I was back in Ohio and, um, and I'm still in Ohio, but I travel down to Nashville often for my mm-hmm. business and our showcases and everything else. But I have noticed that it's the same, like the women in Nashville, they are so supportive and it, it is it is not a place of, you know, cutthroat or even just like backstabbing. It is, hey, I'm doing this. Do you want to hop on this? Like, hey, there's yeah. this opportunity that I can't take, but I think you would fit the exactly. bill perfectly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That is all it is here. Yeah. And and I mean, Adia Victoria is another one. Adia has just like for years been like randomly she was like, Y'all need to hit Kashana though. Do you know Kashana? Y'all should hit up Kashana. Let me tell you about my girl Kashana, you know. And she called me in to do uh she connected me with T Bone Burnett and like oh, wow. you know, and and started, you know, did some work with him in the studio uh during this during twenty twenty and called me up to collaborate with her. Me and Margo came and sang vocals on, you know, a couple songs of hers from this new record of hers, you know, Southern Gothic. And it's like to see, I mean, just that alone. So the the extent of even what Adia did by giving myself, by giving me a feature on her song, on her single, uh, You Was Born to Die. Mm-hmm. That's with Jason Isbell and Margot Price, right? And just that alone, featuring Kashana Armstrong, Spotify numbers spiked. Yeah. YouTube things spiked. Nothing out of her pocket, you know? But that's that's the level of like, man, says so she didn't have to do that. Right. You know, and and she wasn't even thinking that way. She's just always like, I'm gonna put your voice on this. People need to know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> and just a simple act like that can, like, again, just amplify someone else's existence. Yeah. That, that is amazing. That's, that's a lot of love. And that's just, that's being a good human and yeah. just, you know, mm-hmm. just being an authentic person of just, you know, <laughs> wanting to support somebody because you believe in them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That mm-hmm. is that is so awesome. Well, congratulations on on the work with Margot and Adia. I mean, and and I was I was listening to you was born to die, and I and I'm just sitting here going, damn, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't get to do blues often, so mm-hmm. the fact that it was that song and Adia's like, you're going to start the song off. It's like I get to come out the gate. Don't want no one not like it's so awesome. Yes. <laughs> Yes, one of those. I just had to sit, like, sit here with my eyes closed and just go, "A fucking man," you know. Kelsey Walden is another one. Kelsey Walden pulled me and Adia in to sing on a um, a record of hers with Oh Boy Records. You know, a couple years. It's just like this is what it is. Like, again, I just love the community here, especially where women are concerned. Yep, absolutely, I agree. Uh, all right. So before we wrap up, I I wanna I wanna talk about a song that you did at that performance I saw you at in in Franklin. Okay. Because I had I had never heard this song before, and it, I believe it was a cover okay. called Sea Line Woman." Yeah, yeah. Have you recorded it yet? No. <laughs> Will you please? <laughs> Will you please look? I okay. I was sitting there. 
And like at my seat and the, you start playing this song and it was such a vibe. And I felt like I was literally teleported <laughs> because it, it was, you know, it was one of those moments where like everything just kind of went and like went into focus. And I just, I was mesmerized by your voice, by the band, the arrangement. Holy shit. <laughs> I just oh I missed that song yeah <laughs> oh god and well and, and you know and I was so I was so depressed afterwards because I went and I tried to find like a recording of you singing it somewhere I was scouring YouTube and I I couldn't find it and I'm and I just kept thinking to myself at some point if I ever get the opportunity to ask this woman please record this song because it's nuts it was so good but. I just I wanted to know how did you come up with that arrangement? Oh, I I'm uh, so that's an old it's a Nina Simone tune. Mm-hmm. Um but also I think it's just an old mountain tune like an old folk song kind of, right? And then okay. Nina is really was really infamous for taking old songs like that and then turning them on their side and I love it. And I think is that the only version? No, and then there's maybe a Nico Costa version of it. But um I love when I find a song that I love, I go and listen to every version. Mm-hmm. I want to go hear like, who else did it? Well, how do they do it? Let me see what else. And then uh, I remember I, I used to tour with just a drummer. It was, just, or, but he played cajon. So just mm-hmm. a percussionist. I was like, okay, well, how can we do this? I don't know what feels good. And just finding, I mean, it's one chord, <laughs> the whole song. <laughs> right. And I think from my old days of being a percussionist, like what's the most percussionist, like, per, like, rhythmic groove I could come with, but I don't know. I've, I'm one of those again, where I trust the process of improvisation. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't even know which form you heard. A lot of that song often is just improv. Oh my God. And so I know the verses and in between, I'm just like, who's on stage? Take something. All right, Maureen, <laughs> go. All right, Nikki, what you got? And then it's just a matter you know, of, I love communicating with the band in the moment. That is something I miss about playing with the band is saying, all right, take it up. All right, let's flip the harmony again. You know, invert the harmony one more time. Ryan, go with the bass solo, you know. Um, I think that's why we have so much fun with that song because we never know where it's going to go. And again, it's one chord. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it did not sound like one chord that night. Yeah. It was, oh my gosh. And, And Ryan. Ryan Medora, who plays bass. It's a female, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, then that was definitely her that night that I saw. She's freaking nuts. She's phenomenal. Oh, little my tiny God. Jewish girl from Philly. Yeah. <laughs> Bless. No, I was I was just blown away by by everybody on stage. But I so you know being that percussionist, you know I pick up on that bass line and you know those yeah. those rhythms a lot. So I was I was definitely like you know watching her like a hawk, trying to just be like, yeah. can I learn something from you? <laughs> um, but wow, yeah. okay, well, mm-hmm. now I, I mean I'm really I'm really excited to know that a lot of that for for you and your band is just improv. But now I'm really sad because I'll probably like never actually get like that exact same experience. So I'm just going to have to come back out and see you play with your yeah. whole band again. So we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll put that on the list of things to go record. Cause honestly, I think you're right. We should, I don't know why it doesn't exist. Probably. Cause I was like, I don't feel like dealing with the paperwork, you know, but, well, that's um, but I, I, it could be fun. Cause 
if that's how I track in the studio too, is full band mm -hmm. and just like, all right, let's have fun. Let's see what happens. So, yeah. yeah. Oh. Well, <laughs> I will be ready and waiting for like, you know, I'll be the first to like buy the, buy the album that it comes off on because <laughs> I just, I have to have it in my life. Yeah. Um, so Kishana, thank you so much for, for taking the time to, to talk <laughs> about like your wonderful music, your incredible mission and just, you know, and just being real today. Oh, my God. This was a wonderful interview. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was an honor. Oh. Also, I talked a lot. Thanks. The coffee's great. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, can you please tell everybody where we can find you and your music? Absolutely. So uh, you can find my music at Kashana.com. I'm all on all streaming platforms. And if you're interested at all in finding um, programming with yoursong.org, that is, that is our website, yoursong.org. You can sign up for your individual session. You can, if you run a group somewhere and you want me or one of my other music therapists to come out, we travel, uh, we'll come to you and we'll write a song with your organization. Thank you so much. I will make sure that links are in the show notes for, uh, for your website and also your song.org. And if there are any, any other links that you would like to be in there, I'll, I'll put everything in there for you. So thank you. Absolutely. Very much. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting right in front of you, trying to tell you my truth. The only thing I ask of you is listen Kishana, thank you so very much, my friend, for coming onto the show and talking about your incredible music and your song. So links are in the show notes. If you want to learn more about Kishana and go listen to her music, you can find her at Kishana.com. And then if you want to learn more about her work with your song, it is yoursong.org. We'll see you next time, friends.